few words on a piece of paper. A sudden moment of clarity. A life changed forever. Throughout the ages, people have been challenged, inspired, moved and transformed by the words of the world's divine educators. My name is Sean Hinton, and in Season 2 of this podcast, Moments of Meaning, I talk to people whose lives have been profoundly affected by the sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith and ask them about the story of how it happened. Our guest today is Radiance Talley. Radiance was born and raised in Maryland in the United States, where she lives and works as a poet, writer, and speaker. Radiance, can you read the passage for us? The Valley of Search. The steed of this valley is patience. Without patience, the wayfarer on this journey will reach nowhere and attain no goal nor should he ever become downhearted. Radiance, I know you've been living with this passage a while, but do you remember where you were when you first came across it? Well, I first came across this quote uh, when I was reading The Seven Valleys, and when I was around 14. And The Seven Valleys is a book where Baha'u'llah characterizes the stages of the soul's journey to union with God through the metaphor of these seven symbolic valleys. And these valleys are search, love, knowledge, unity, contentment, wonder, and true poverty and absolute nothingness. So when I was, when I read this quote about patience and I was going through a difficult time in high school. I was experiencing a depression from severe uh, isolation, uh, exclusion, cruelty, and a lot of racism and discrimination and and sexism too. Uh, when I went to a magnet school, which is special programs for gifted and talented students, so they bus students into these schools. It's called a magnet program. Uh, where you get an advanced education. It was a big culture shock because I grew up in a very diverse area. And when I was bused to this magnet school, I was bused to this very rural area with very little diversity. And I experienced a lot of racism where I I definitely felt that I, I wasn't welcomed or wanted or valued. And you know, teachers didn't expect me to to excel there, and they would try to get me out of the different classes. It, it was a lot. I was dealing with a lot, and it was really tough for me. I so it was a very painful time. But during that, in that dark time, it was these beautiful writings from the Baha'i faith and writing poetry that really kept me going. That. That healed me. And when I read that quote about without patience, a wayfarer can reach nowhere and attain no goal, it really changed the way I I look at tests and how I approach them and, and face tests. And it really made me stronger after I heard the story of Laylee and Majnoon. And that story is told in the same book as the quote you read, The Seven Valleys. Yes. Baha'u'llah referenced the classic Persian tale of Laylee and Majnun, which is a man's journey to being reunited with his beloved. 
uh, he referenced that and he compared Majnun's story of being re reunited with his soulmate to the journey of a soul's reunion with its creator. And I'm going to share poetry I wrote about that exact story. And I'll share in poetic form how that really moved and touched me deeply. And it taught me so much. It's all in, in, in the poem called The Story of Leila and Majnun. There once were two people that loved each other very much. But the girl's parents didn't like him and their courting and such. So they sent that poor boy extremely far away. So the girl would never see him. She had absolutely no say. And she prayed and she begged to the Lord every day, praying for his safety and return as he lay in that old, dark, dank, cold jail, where he was badly mistreated and called names to the rails. Oh, please let me see her the mighty wind in my sails. And he prayed and he begged with great fervency each night. Oh, please let me see her. And you know, she's all right. And he prayed and he begged with every ounce of his might. Oh God, please bring me to my true love tonight. The boy, now man, sat in that prison for years. Then one day he couldn't believe what he saw through his tears. The door to his cell stood ajar. He hesitated in shock, then started to run very far. Soon after, big guards with guns were on his tail. Oh, why would you do this? As he started to pale. Darn you, God, all this just to fail? And to think I thought, God, that you were so just. And he climbed over a wall that had started to rust. And he fell near a woman who knelt praying with trust. I'm dreaming, he said. This can't be true. My love, she asked is it really you? And he pulled her in his arms for the longest embrace and said, thanks to God for such wonderful grace. You've all heard the story about the two people in love and how it almost resulted in the man losing faith in the God above. The moral of the story is never give up and always have trust Always have faith in yourself and that God is just. Don't let despair bring you down into the dust. I know sometimes it's hard and you have a right to make a big fuss. But don't let those evils sully your tongue and cuss. You have to have unwavering faith. You must. That man had no idea that he was almost there. What if he had dropped in defeat and said, God doesn't care. He would have missed out on what he always wanted because he thought God wasn't fair. And don't mirage your soul and listen when someone has something bad about someone to share. Some people and events in life are just full of poo. But if you keep searching, you may find what you've always wanted is right in front of you. I wrote the, I wrote those poems and, and, um, other poetry like that when I was going through a difficult time in early high school. And as I, as I kept writing, I, I felt the burden in my heart was being lifted with every word I wrote. 
See, the, the writings say that all art is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And when this light of the Holy Spirit shines to the mind of the poet, it is seen in fine poetry and poetic prose. And when I write, I definitely feel like this inspiration from this Holy Spirit, this this higher self, this other being, as I the words rush in my head and I have to rush to write them all down so I don't miss a word. I, I truly see it as a gift. Uh, the writings say that you know poetry it is is more effective than prose. And the Bob said, "Treasure the Bob, the forerunner of the Baha'i faith said, treasures lie hidden beneath the throne of God. The key to those treasures is the tongue of the poets. And through that dark and difficult time, I found poetry and I, and for that, I am so incredibly grateful because you see, I see those guard, you know, those, you know, the, the racist teachers and classmates and the tests and the exclusion and the isolation and the depression. I see it as all of those guards that were chasing me um, closer to God and, and, and there and through that chase, through that search where through all of that pressure and pain, I, I turned to, I found the greatest gift I could have ever asked for because poetry, it allowed me to create collateral beauty, you know, to create beauty from pain, to, to take a, a painful experience and create art, art out of it that could, that could inspire somebody else or, or move somebody else or educate, guide, enlighten, or just comfort another person to know that they are not alone and that somebody else has been through it too and that maybe they and maybe they can find a way to heal just like I did or maybe there's there's a message in for them for them that only they're that they are supposed to know and they're supposed to get out of that too and so whenever I I experience any sort of anguish or frustration or or our stress, I I always turn to poetry, you know, this this gift and it and I feel I feel healed as I record and, and document my experiences, the lessons I learned, the, the reflections I have. And it really Re revives and refreshes and renews my spirit every single time I create another poem. Thank you for sharing that and how you came to write it. Let me turn back to the quote which speaks about patience. Without patience, the wayfarer on this journey will reach nowhere and attain no goal. How did you find the courage to manifest patience during those difficult years in high school? You know, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was very difficult. Uh, it was very dramatic. You know, I remember that every test, every trial and tribulation makes you stronger, but you have to be willing to be patient and long-suffering and, and, and stay in that fire, in that heat, if you ever want to become a diamond. No, you know, you need that the pressure, unfortunately, and you can't expect your mirror to be polished if 
you're irritated by every rub. So you have to stay under that pressure, under that irritation and remind yourself that this is making me stronger. This is making me shine brighter. As, as long as I, I continue to remain steadfast, I will come out an even better person than I was before I started. And so as I, as I was going through those experiences, I remember, you know, I am a wayfarer on this journey and I will continue to, to pray and meditate for guidance and inspiration as to how to address and, and deal with the problems I'm facing. But also in the, in the meantime, I also need to have patience and have faith that things will work out. And poetry really comforted me as I, you know, it's hard to think how can I, how can I last years at this school, but you know, I started thinking, okay, well, I can last, I can last this minute. I can last this hour. I can last this lunch break as I spend it writing my latest, latest poem that takes me into the story that I'm writing or that, you know, is relieving the pressure in my heart. I, it, it, it's, it'll keep me going. I know it will. And, you know, as I shared these poems with others too, as I was going with, as I was going through this and, you know, and eventually, and of course, you know, everybody has their own path and their unique answers that we think we're supposed to get and our, um, through our, our, our prayer and meditation and deepenings. And after a couple years, I believed it was time to leave that school. Um, and it was a great decision to do that. So I, I, I healed I, my mental health and was so much better and I <laughs> survived and really, really flourished at the next school. But I, I don't, I, I don't believe in regrets. I, I, I can't regret that experience because now I know whenever I'm upset, I can, I can write poetry. And ever since high school, I've been writing poetry reg regularly since then. And when I was younger, I would write, often write short stories songs, poems. I don't know, in middle school, I think I forgot, I forgot that I was a poet. And it wasn't until that pain that brought me back to poetry. There's a quote in the Baha'i writings that said, thou hast forgotten me and I've caused thee to forget thyself. And in that pain, I came back to myself as a poet, as, as a writer. I had forgotten who I was. I had I've forgotten about that part of me, about that gift that I already had that that was dormant. It was just waiting to be, you know, unleashed and, and, and that, that untapped potential. Let's read the quote again. The Valley of Search The steed of this valley is patience. Without patience, the wayfarer on this journey will reach nowhere and attain no goal nor should he ever become downhearted. You shared how this quote affected you during high school and how you manifested the patience that it speaks about by making poetry, but how has this quote affected you later in life? The Baha'i Faith sets very high standards of living, of being, and it's easy to feel alone because these standards are not necessarily what many other young people of my generation are 
are adhering to. Like, for example, and another quote that, that guides my life is, um, let your eyes be chaste, your hand faithful, your tongue truthful, and your heart enlightened. And after I read that quote, I really thought deeply about, am I living that li- a life where everything I'm exposed to is letting my eyes remain chaste and my heart enlightened? You know, it was actually because of that quote that I I stopped reading any books, watching any movies or TV shows or listening to any music that wasn't pure or innocent and did not enlighten my heart in any way. And, you know, Baha'is, you know, we're not supposed to drink alcohol or or gossip or, you know, be promiscuous or anything like that. And, you know, it's easy to be alone as you live this Baha'i life, you know, even especially and you're going to college and and it, you, it's not like you have family members who are also living aspiring to these ideals living with you and you're living alone and you know i would see you know so my my roommates and friends and all these other you know classmates and just go to these different parties and these clubs and i never i and i i never went i never felt like that was a place for me as a Baha'i, you don't feel like you fit either because you're not going to be doing what people are doing. And I would be okay with being alone during those times because I have my my sights set on the end goal and on, on the wisdom behind, behind the guidance. You know, I understand that by remaining steadfast to the Baha'i teachings, I am purifying my soul. I'm making myself stronger. I know I will be healthier and a brighter soul because of it. And and know that you're doing everything for the right reasons and it'll only turn out better because of it. I want to come back to a phrase you used earlier when you said that the experience of being patient through pain allowed you to create collateral beauty. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I I love the phrase (laughs) collateral beauty. The more I humble myself to tests and learn from the lessons they give, the more I notice their potential for for creating some repercussions of beauty, if we let them. You know, know, we often think of collateral damage, but I thought... We should also think of how we can create collateral beauty because we're going to go through tests. We're going to go through pain and suffering and we can't unfortunately avoid it. But to me, collateral beauty is this, it's a light in the darkness. It's a silver lining behind every cloud. And it's it's this beauty from pain it's this creating art from suffering. And I realized that, you know, I can't control the racism I experienced, the sexism I experienced, the discrimination, isolation, exclusion. But I can choose how I respond to these tests. I don't have to become downhearted. I can create at least, <laughs> the very least, I can create collateral beauty. I can create beauty from any from every painful experience I go through. 
And that collateral beauty is, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a growth you, you have from every test, the, how much stronger you get. And in my case, the, the poetry I create, it really heals me every time. And, you know, a poem lasts forever. The pain won't last forever, but a poem will. And it's just so meaningful and heartwarming to, be able to read some of those poems that I write when I'm experiencing a difficult time and to share them with other people and for people to say, you know, that, that meant something to me, that, that moved me, that, that touched me, that, that made a difference with me. And I'm thinking, and it makes me think, wow, like what I went through was not in vain. It didn't make a difference. And I, I didn't allow the test to make me uh, regress in my, and my spiritual growth or healing, I allowed this test to make me stronger and to potentially heal somebody else in the process and further down the line. So, you know, whenever I go through these tests, I ask like, why God put me in this position and how can I make the most of it? What can I learn from this difficulty in my life? We need to actively notice the collateral beauty and create collateral beauty in our lives, whenever we have to go through difficult times. Thank you, Radiant, so much for sharing your poetry, but also sharing your story about this beautiful quote. The passage and the story Radiant shared are from the Seven Valleys of Baha'u'llah, and they both refer to patience and steadfastness in the face of trials, and describe how we can walk a spiritual path through the tests and difficulties that come to everyone in different ways. In a passage addressed by Baha'u'llah to the kings and rulers of the world, he wrote more on this theme. Blessed are the steadfastly enduring, they that are patient under ills and hardships, who lament not over anything that befalleth them, and who tread the path of resignation. Of course, it's hard to patiently endure, and we all find different ways of sustaining ourselves in such times. Radiance spoke of using art as a creative response to suffering, and Abdu'l-Bahá used a wonderful phrase to describe this balance of active acceptance, what he described as radiant acquiescence, so fitting for this week's guest, Radiance. In a talk he gave in London, Abdu'l-Bahá described this quality and how we might attain it. Unless one accepts dire vicissitudes, he will not attain. The afflictions which come to humanity sometimes tend to centre the consciousness upon the limitations, and this is a veritable prison. Release comes by making of the will a door through which the confirmations of the Spirit come. The confirmations of the Spirit are all those powers and gifts which some are born with, but for which others have to strive with infinite pains. They come to that man or woman who accepts his life with radiant acquiescence. This also suggests another dimension to patience, that it requires us to have faith that the Creator loves us and wants us to have the absolute best possible life in this material realm 
and in the worlds to come. We can either focus on our limitations or treat our trials as confirmations of the Spirit by choosing to view them as a reinforcement of our faith. The tests we experience can serve us well, polishing the mirror of our souls, but only if we accept them with this radiant acquiescence. For more about the Baha'i faith, head to baha'i.org. For the podcast notes, try baha'iteachings.org forward slash moments of meaning. Moments of meaning is presented by Sean Hinton, sound engineering by Jamie Heath, researched by David Langness, and produced by Radiance Tally, Andriana Lefton, and the team at baha'iteachings.org. <laughs>